0: Uh, We come now to this morning's scripture reading for the sermon text. We are in the middle of a sermon series called Reordered Loves. Uh, And really what's going on is that uh, Christ is challenging us within the family. So many of these texts have come from Christ's words himself as they do this morning. And there's no one who speaks in the Bible quite as pointedly or direct and sometimes painfully (laughs) as Christ himself. Uh, and it's because he knows us and loves us. It's because we are his. Uh, so, hear now these words from Christ One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Amen.
1: Right. Well, as uh, Nathaniel said, uh, we are continuing in a series uh, called uh, Reordered Love, and uh, if you are new with us, uh, I hope that you will uh, catch up uh, to speed rather quickly with, uh, with the sort of the gist of this message, and, and the message is essentially that before we believe and before we think, uh, we love. Uh, we, we sort of feel our way through life. And uh, we're looking at the the whole subject this morning of of money. Uh, As a kid uh, growing up, uh, I discovered uh, uh, the business world. Uh, A friend of mine named Robert Barkle, uh, not Charles Barkley, uh, but Robert Barkle, uh, we were in sixth grade, and we came across this wholesale place. This is before the days of Costco, and it was called Smart and Final, and uh, they were in Southern California, at least I remember them. And this was a wholesale place where you could buy... For instance, my, my parents would buy huge boxes of hot dogs there. I mean, ridiculous-sized hot dog boxes. And we came across the section in Smart and Final for candy. And uh, we realized that the store we were buying candy from was making money off of us. Like the, the Jawbreaker for ten cents they got for a penny. You know, we, we started re- doing the math there. So we bought some boxes of uh, malt balls, and uh, we bought some boxes of gum, and we bought some boxes of jawbreakers. And uh, we went into business at Kimberly Elementary School in Redlands, California. Uh, we didn't ask permission from the administration, but uh, so we used our desks, you know, the desks, that lift-up desk? Yeah. Supposed to have books and sort of like things related to school. So we used the desks as uh, as our small warehouses, and uh, we uh, we sold candy. Uh, we bought it for a, a penny, and uh, we were we, we didn't know what to do with how to how to you know we, so we we sold them for two cents. So we had uh, uh, my parents were concerned a little bit because I had an unusual amount of uh, pennies at home, I'm wondering where these came from. And then at some point. Uh, we started realizing that we got a little bit bored uh, selling these this stuff, and we started just to eat it ourselves. That, that's kind of how it all went. So we just got bored rather quickly, and we started eating it. Um, one other experience with money, uh, I just uh, I bumped into this. I was a, a water polo player in high school and swimmer, and we had a big pool in our backyard, and, and I uh, bumped into the idea of teaching kids swimming. So I got, I got uh, certified to be a water safety instructor and, uh, and instructor for swimming, And so the word got out that moms in the neighborhood wanted, I mean, uh, I was going to teach swimming in our backyard. And uh, so uh, I remember distinctly, 10 minutes before the first wave of moms showed up uh, on a summer day, I decided uh, just how much it would be. Uh, And I thought, well, I don't know. uh, We'll be in the pool about an hour. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, $4 a kid, okay? Okay. Uh, and I thought that's pretty reasonable, I'm not overcharging. But then I had four kids in the pool at once. Anybody with math here? I'm a high school kid, making $16 an hour. And what I would do is I would do about four hours of of, of lessons in the morning. And then I'd go down and hang out with my friend who worked at McDonald's for three bucks an hour, right? I'd say, hey, let me tell you about swimming, swimming lessons. Just kind of fun experiences with, with, with money. As as we're thinking about money this morning, um, it is a it is a. uh, Churches don't do well with money, uh, talking about it. Um, They're a little. uh, It's funny how Jesus speaks so openly about money, directly about it. If you're going to be a follower of me, you got to deal with money. You got to deal with it. You got to wrestle it to the ground. You got to you got to understand its power and uh, refuse it. Uh, But in the church, we're very awkward about it. We. can't just tell people that we we need something, there's a building project, we're going to give to it, so they hire slick people to come in and sort of, uh, you know, figure out how to get people to give to something that they may not want to give to or something. Uh, A friend of mine in in San Diego was part of a large church, he was the junior high uh, uh, youth director, and they actually had the junior high youth guy up in front of the church, which is a big moment in church. And he was up there, and he actually referred to the offering. He was praying for the offering. And he referred to the offering, and he used the word in church, money. <laughs> he used the word money. And he, I, he, his name was Dan Smith, and he talked to me about this. He said, uh, I was praying, and I just prayed, Lord, these people are going to put their money in the offering plate. Now, that caused the leadership of the church to go apoplectic. Uh, they, they you, you, you know, the unspoken was you can't call it that. Uh, so Dan, uh, the senior pastor is one of these big multi-church, m- m- multiple staff. The senior pastor has no idea who's who's even on staff, and uh, uh, he he looks so across this big table at Dan, and uh, there's this, and suddenly Dan is now the. He, there's something wrong with him. Uh, and they, they kind of got their, their crosshairs on this guy because he used the word money in church. And in the staff meeting, uh, they, he got the sense that he'd done something wrong. And so he asked this, he says, well, what, what, what do we call it? <laughs> and, and then he said, isn't that what they're doing? Isn't that what they're doing? And it's, it, isn't it funny that in the church, w- w- we just can't talk directly about it. And yet it's something that's so real in all our lives. Uh, it's so it's 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 important for the life of the church. And I want to commend you at the beginning of this message. Uh, if there is any guilt associated with this message, it is not produced by me.
0: I want you to know that.
1: I am up here, and I want you to know. I want you to drive home today, and I want you to go, there's a happy pastor. I, wa- I want you to know that. I want you to know that I applaud your faith. We as a church uh, have people who give. And uh, we don't have to harp. We don't have to cajole. We don't have to convince. And so I am up here uh, out of a sense of, you know what? I think the world of money uh, is a world of disorder. And it, apl- it is a world where we all have to talk about it because... Uh, Jesus is so pointed in this particular passage. He is saying, either or. You are either devoted to the house of money, and you are a servant in that house, or you are devoted to the house of God, and you are a servant in that house. Now, either or arguments, can at, they can be invalid because he is he's proposing there's only two options when it comes to being a servant. You're either a servant of God or you're a servant of money. Now, there's, a, there's another option. And sometimes when someone presents to you an either-or argument, you can say, no, there's a third option. But if Jesus is teaching, I think he's correct on this one. So let's do this. Let's pause and let's ask our God to guide us now, okay? Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you that you are... Uh, powerful to use it. Father, thank you that we have a, a common goal, and that is that we are, we are after the freedom of the gospel. Father, I pray that you will convince us to come out from, come out from wherever we're hiding and come into the warm, welcoming, uh, life-changing light of the gospel. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, you'll see the passage there that's provided for you in your, in your outline or on, uh, in your worship folder. Um, I want to affirm one other thing as we get started. Uh, hard, work, hard work can lead to wealth. Uh, the Bible does not condemn wealth. The Bible, con- the, the Bible targets wealthy people because they are in great danger. But it doesn't mean that there's a, a virtue in being poor. Uh, poor people can be just as fixated on money as, uh, as a wealthy person. So I want to affirm something. a Hard work leads to, can lead to wealth, and it can be uh, a result of God blessing your efforts. And we are to be wise with money. And so I want to commend uh, all of you who take your responsibilities seriously uh, to pay your bills, uh, to be a responsible citizen, and uh, citizen of the kingdom of God, to steward well. Um, as we get started, though, uh, Jesus is teaching about stewardship in this passage. Verse 10 is where you might want to take a look. Uh, he is teaching that uh, someone who is entrusted with a little and is faithful with that little amount um, will do well with something big. Do you see that the principle coming out of verse 10 there? Um, it goes like this. He says, he who is, he who is faithful in a little is also faithful in much and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much the idea here is uh, if you work for a business and it's possible that you could actually own that business at some point um, you are given small tasks to prove how well you can do Uh, and if you do well in those small tasks uh, the people who own that business uh, are watching you. If you blow off the business's money, if you don't care about the 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 equipment you use, if you are uh, faithless as an employee, uh, the odds are you're not gonna inherit uh, that or you're not gonna be given an opportunity to purchase that that business because you haven't proven yourself. So Jesus is saying, uh, essentially money is sort of like uh, in the kingdom of God, money is, uh, is, uh, is kindergarten. You, you need to advance beyond the kindergarten stages. I, I don't want to demean, uh, demean people who uh, uh, have done well with money. But money is a place of great testing uh, for your character. Look at verse 11. Jesus now speaks directly about uh, what the ESV uh, version calls unrighteous wealth. Uh, The old King James calls it mammon. Uh, It really doesn't count for much. Uh, He says here in verse 11, he says, If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? Uh, In modern day uh, language, we might say that money, compared to the kingdom of God, is monopoly money. Hmm. He's saying it there. Look at verse 11. It's it's something significant, but compared to the the riches of the kingdom of God, it's like monopoly money. If you have not done well with monopoly money, uh, who's going to give you the real stuff? Uh, Isn't that a concern of yours when your child... uh, Do you remember those days that perhaps you have older children and your child opens up a birthday card? and there's $20 in there from grandma, and you know that your four-year-old has no idea what $20 $20 really means, and you're concerned. You're thinking, I could spend that better than that four-year-old, and you're concerned. Will they tear it up? Will they throw it in the trash can? What's happening? You know the value of that money, but they don't. In many ways, Jesus is calling us to be children when it comes to money. Yes, to not be... uh, 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 irresponsible with it. But to realize that its it's role in our life is rather limited. The argument here is, will you be promoted? Will you be promoted because your character is handling well this temporary stuff called money? Will you be entrusted with what is true uh, and lasting? Jesus is saying, listen to this, it's a small thing to be entrusted with money. It's a small thing. The big thing is to be entrusted with the kingdom. The big thing is to be entrusted with the gospel. The big thing is the wealth that leads to the forgiveness of sins and a concern for others and a concern to partner with God in mission. The big thing is moving out from this inward selfish motivation and to Constantly be thinking or counting your pennies. Now, it's a small thing. Do well at that level, and you will now move into into real responsibility before God. Money can't be the real deal. It can't be the real deal. Ah, Jesus is trying, uh, in, this, in this passage in particular, uh, I believe there's a real uh, direct effort to protect us. I believe this is a loving thing to say to people. We are easily consumed with money. Uh, we are surrounded uh, as a culture. Uh, who, are the, who are the people who are uh, successful in our culture? Who's held up as saying, that guy right there, that woman, they have got it together. People will flock uh, to the, the convention center in Honolulu uh, to hear about some new technique on amassing wealth. They will be there. They will sign up. They will buy books. They'll buy, uh, they'll, they'll buy the CDs. Uh, people. It is the common currency of our way of talking uh, to think in terms of success is directly related to how much you own. But one of the surprising things is um, among the wealthy, among the wealthy, is a is a sad uh, kind of melancholy. Among the wealthy, there is a loneliness uh, that uh, is manifest. Uh, I was a waiter in uh, long ago in a in a five star restaurant. Uh, it was the resort in northern California, northern San Diego County. It was called La Costa. Uh, and these were these were wealthy people. Uh, these were regulars. They came to the restaurant, there at the club, there at the they're at the resort, at the golf club. They were regulars. I got to know them on a first name basis. And I can tell you uh, story after story. Uh, slowly, you would hear their story, and there was a sadness and a melancholy that came over them. Uh, I was, a, you know. Uh, just a kid running around and riding my bicycle and surfing and swimming and going to college and having fun. And uh, this animated person who was serving them dinner, uh, there was a contrast between the two of us. And uh, I got to know them and I found that there was a sadness and a sorrow associated with their lives. Jesus is protecting us from that house of sorrow. Wealth uh, accumulation, uh, the holding out of some magic it. If you could just accumulate this much, there's a magic it somewhere there. It's, it's out there. It's always being held out. It doesn't stop when you have achieved a certain level of success. It keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going. Jesus is protecting us. There was a, a young man who lived right next to my parents in San Diego, uh, My parents lived on a a cliff house in Encinitas, California. And the man next to to us, uh, uh, he made a lot of money at a critical point where he had uh, an agreement with a German ball-bearing company, German ball-bearings, where he made about a penny off each ball-bearing. Does this sound like a big money-making scheme? Well, here's the deal. Remember when skateboards went from those metal wheels to the neoprene ones? He was right there with the ball bearings. Millions and millions and millions of ball bearings were purchased for the new skateboard wheels. And next to my parents' house was a guy named Alan. And he made a lot of money off German ball bearings that were being used for all these skateboards. I would come down with a group of kids to Mexico. We would be coming from Northern California, crossing the border and going into Mexico. Great trips. And we'd invade my parents' house. About 30 kids vans and you know, flatbed trailers out there. We'd come pulling in at midnight. I'd tell all the kids to be quiet. Don't wake anybody up. Don't wake my parents up. They'll serve you dinner till 3 o'clock. Don't do it. They wake my parents up. My parents are serving dinner till 3 o'clock. The next morning, we're all assembling, getting final plans. We're praying. We're talking. 30 kids. we animated. We're nervous. We're excited. We're, we're going to go into Mexico in, in, in just a matter of hours. Alan. Alan walks over, and he stands in the, midst of, in the midst of these kids. In Alan's garage, he had National Geographic maps. He was trying to figure out what island he wanted to buy around the world. He stood in the midst of all these kids, and I could see you know, locked eyes. Hi, Alan. How you doing? He says, what are you guys doing? Uh, we're going to Mexico. This is a crazy thing. We're going to stay in Tijuana. This is a crazy idea. Says, what are you going to do that for? What, what's going on? I said, well, we're just going to help these kids, these street kids play soccer with them and feed the poor. And it's just, yeah, it's just, you know. He looks around. He says to me, well, someday I want to go with you guys. I want to go with you. There's a guy who could probably buy a good section of Tijuana. And he wants to go and, and play soccer with street kids. Uh... We have got to listen to Jesus because he is instructing us to be protected from that sorrow that comes, that loneliness that comes. Uh, The money cannot hug you. The money cannot affirm you the way the gospel can. I say this to say that we now look at this next passage where Jesus now focuses his teaching. Look at this. He says, No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Two houses. You're a servant. One house is the house of money. The other house is the house of God. Uh, you have to scurry between both houses. Jesus is illustrating uh, how we are wired to be slaves. We're wired to serve uh, somebody, in the words of an old Bob Dylan song. And he's saying it's impossible. You go into the house of money and you will be uh, enticed to, to, to serve that master. You go into the house of God and you will be uh, enticed to serve the house of God. You're going to scurry back and forth and you will not be able to have equal loyalty to both houses. That's what he's saying. And then he also says that there will be a visceral response inside of you. You will estimate the value of this master and you will estimate the value of this master. How does this master treat me? How does this master treat me? And at some point, your affections will fall on one or the other. One you will just put up with, the other you will adore. One you will be devoted to, the other you will just, you'll put in some time, you'll clean the floor, but your heart is not with them. You cannot serve two masters, and I'm going to add something here, fully. You cannot serve two masters in the way you've been designed as a human being. And I think the subtext here is this some of you, some of us, are trying. The implication of what he's saying is, here's two, here's two options. Option one is, uh, I'm really a sham at, at, worship, at being devoted to money, and I'm really devoted to God. That's one option. So my, my commitment to, to money is really kind of sluggardly, and I, I'm not really committed. I am distant from money, and I'm really devoted to God. Do you think that's what he's driving at? The second option is probably what he's after. Religious people tend to put up with the one master and make worship of God and devotion to God a sham and make their true devotion, the true loyalty to money. Uh, By the way, if you keep reading in the text, the Pharisees were devoted to money. Uh, It is not surprising that religious leaders, uh, religious hucksters on television, uh, there's the whole twisting of of money. In fact, it's even seen as a a virtue of, of, of your faith, the health, wealth, prosperity, gospel stuff, Um, It's seen as an evidence of true faith if you are rich. Uh, That's the, the, the theology of hucksters and it's going around the world, by the way. Jesus is saying that what you tend to do, what we tend to do, is we tend to make an effort at lip service in worship. We're in the house of God but our true devotion is in the house of the checkbook, the pocketbook. What makes my life really work is over here. Jesus is seeking today to deliver us. To deliver us from this divided loyalty. And I, uh, I don't know who here. Uh, but I, 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 w- would this would apply to, but I believe that this is a, an area and a subject that um, we all need to be deeply honest with ourselves about. Let me ask you a couple of questions. When it comes to your words, uh, what kinds of words are used around your house? Uh, when, it t- when, when you think about what house you're serving in, are there words of praise, thanksgiving to God, of devotion to God, are those the words that are coming out of your mouth, or are there words of worry, words of panic, words of I, my master, money, is not coming through for me? In some way or another, we can learn from the words that we are saying about our, the one functional Savior, the one that we really are trusting in, We are being protected here. We are being protected. And the way we come under this protection of God is to do something that money will never do for us. Money will never call us to be deeply honest about ourselves. Money holds out a pretty straightforward promise. The promise is, more of me, I'll come through for you. More of me, I'll come through for you. The God who calls us today is seeking to give you the gift of self-knowledge. And this gift of self-knowledge is, I owe the true God my soul. This really is monopoly money. And I've been putting more investment in it. I've been putting more trust in it. Uh, I have... I have, it has led to a kind of deadness in my soul. I'm not alive to God. And, and where the gospel starts, the gospel starts with a, with a wonderful, merciful self-confrontation. You've been made to be alive to God. And it starts with a, with a repentance to say, Lord, I have turned my skills, my success, my, my achievements... Uh, Uh, that check that comes in I've turned that into a way of living I've turned that into my functional savior I've believed far too much about it it plays a role in my life but I have distorted its role I have put it as a secondary thing and I have made it a primary thing Jesus is protecting us from becoming like Gollum uh, this last summer, we uh, had an interest in our house to, to watch the Lord of the Rings movies all over again. And these are the extended versions where you learn about uh, the details behind all the sets and everything. Uh, I don't know, it's like 120 hours or something. It's, a cr- it's, it's crazy. And you know, as we watch these things, the obvious dawned on me. I'm so used to Smeagol, Gollum, following... Uh, following the hobbits, that I forget. He, he is a hobbit. He, he is a hobbit. He's so distorted. He's so strange. He's such a, a, a quirky creature. What is he? He must be something else. No, he's a hobbit who can't stop thinking about his precious. Why is he in the story? And as Christians, we read it. We say, oh, that's what, that's what idolatry looks like. It distorts you. It ruins you. It twists you. It makes you into a monster. What is Jesus doing? He's de-golemizing us. That's what he's doing. He, he's taking us and saying, the precious you think will, will, will bring your life It will destroy you. Blessed are you if you discover that. Blessed are you if you discover that before God you are truly poor and all our attempts to acquire riches are trying to cover up that that bankruptcy. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. God desires to give you richly of what his son has given there was a rich man who came from heaven he owned everything and he is willing to become poor for you he was wealthy beyond measure and we didn't know it but he came to give himself that you might become rich that you might be a co-inheritor with him of all things Move out this week knowing that you are secure in your heavenly Father's care, knowing that he is now changing you from that old deformed creature to making you beautiful, to making you human again. And part of the process is to put money in its place. Let's pray.